This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now the Lord goes on, and he says in that verse, in verse 23, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. He's describing here a plan. It's the same plan that he described in Matthew chapter 9:35. We read this, where it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness of every disease among the people. This is a plan when is described in Luke 4:42. When it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Same plan that he described in Mark 38. He said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. So the idea here is not that they were fleeing for their lives, let's run and get away from here, we're getting killed, but that they're being sent to spread the gospel more widely, in this case, through the land of Israel. And when they were forced to go into another city, it was not really a fleeing, it was a being sent. And that's how God sent his messengers from place to place, by allowing them to be persecuted and chased. And so it's important that they saw this, that they accepted, this is ascending by persecution. This is ascending by adversity. And the greatest sending by adversity is when we'll all be, at some point in time, persecuted by disease or failing in the body, and we'll be fleeing into another place, and that place happens to be called heaven. You know, I received a, a text, very interesting, from a dear brother, a dear believer, known him for decades, he is the representative for the Friends of Israel, and he writes this in a text. Hi, dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, here's my update. Early Saturday morning, I was rushed to the ER at Los Robles Hospital with a severe pain in my left lung and shortness of breath. 
They admitted me and started pain medication. That afternoon, they put me in a series of tests and scans to see what was causing the pain. They kept me under observation as they also worked on my breathing problem. My doctors came in to me Monday morning and told me that they checked out the CT scan and found the immunotherapy had cancer of the brain. Immunotherapy hadn't worked. The tumor on my liver had grown. Tumor on my right lung had spread. New cancer has showed up in my left lung, which was causing the severe pain. My oncologist said that he could do a radical chemotherapy, a chemo treatment, and there would be a 15% chance that it would work. I would still have the breathing issue. I'll be leaving the hospital tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon, and going home where I'll start hospice care. So here we are nine months later, and I'm reminded that our God is sovereign in control of all things. I just want to thank each one of you for your prayers, your love, concern, and been blessing to Patty and me. Please keep us in our prayers for the next few weeks, and please continue to pray for Patty as I go home to be with the Lord. Much love and thankfulness, Bob. And then he quotes this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.1. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he that hath wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who has also given unto us the earner of the Spirit. So here's a brother who has not made the focus of his dilemma, the first part of verse 23, when they persecute you. Here's a brother that's made his focus the second part of verse 23, fleeing into another. Bob is not saying, oh no, I'm being persecuted in life because I'm going away. My life is going away. My patty, my marriage is going away. My house is going away. My friends are going away. I'm being persecuted. He's not taking that as a focus. Instead of the oh no, oh boy, my eternal life in heaven is coming. My opportunity to see my Lord Jesus face to face is coming. My mansion in, in Father's house is coming. And seeing and being with all the friends that have gone before and meeting new friends is coming. I'm fleeing into another. And that's what Bob is saying, is that this brain cancer that's spread throughout his body is, body is equivalent to God's sending him to heaven. Bob is fleeing to heaven. So when the Lord says these words, flee ye to another, it has a meaning, it has a very important meaning of keeping the forward look rather than the backward look or the present look. And so now the Lord says the words gone over in this verse, the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Now when he says gone over, is a very special Greek word that's used here. It's the word teleo. It's the same word that he used when he breathed out his last breath on the cross. He said tetelestai, which is translated in our Bibles, finished. What he actually, he didn't speak Greek on the cross, he spoke Hebrew, Aramaic. And so what he actually said in the Hebrew which was the equivalent was asa, which uh, comes from the word that means to do. So what he was really saying there on the cross when he finished his life was done, completed, finished. And he takes his last breath. He looks back on the totality of his life. He's writing the last sentence in his book of his life on earth. And his last statement to describe his work on earth is asa. It's done, it's finished, it's accomplished. So the end of his life, he says, finished, because that was his final report to God. It, just like he said in John 17, 4, when he said to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. 
Now that was wonderful for him to have finished the work that God gave him to do. What was that work that he finished that God, the Father gave him to do? It was important because it was for each one of us to be able to, to enter heaven, to not be cast into this eternal concentration camp of misery called hell. And how wonderful it would be for each one of us to be able at the end of our lives to be able to look back over the summation of our lives, look back over our lives, and make that same statement in John 17, 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. How wonderful it would be if we could say those words and then hear God say the words back to us, respond back to us, the words of Matthew 25, 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. How wonderful it would be for each one of us to write the last words in the books of our individual lives on earth, the words of John 17, 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. That's in essence what the Lord Jesus was saying by that one word, his last word on the cross, finished. How was that possible for the Lord to be able to say, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do? Finished, I finished the work. How can we be assured that we can really hear God say to us, Matthew 25, 21, well done, thou good and faithful servant, how can we do that? How could he do that? How can we do that? Well, first, in his case, the Lord first had to know what the work was that the Father gave him to do. There was a, I must find, and that work was John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He came to give life. And John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth in me should not walk in darkness, should not abide in darkness. He came to bring life to us, and he came to bring light to us. In him, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In addition to that, so he finds the will of God, he finds what God wants him to do, and then he passionately pursues the work that God, so if the first one was I must find, and the second one in I must do, which he said in Luke 2.49, he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about, same as do, be about my father's business. Now, there's another aspect to this. So I must find, I must do, but there's one more part, and that's I must finish. He says that in John 4, 34. Jesus saith unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish. Those two gotta go together. It's not just do, it's finish. It's do and finish. You know, some people just fall in love with the process. They don't really wanna finish. They love what they're doing. And not falling in love with the process to the point of not wanting to finish reminds me of my friend, Dr. John Potts, who was the head of research at Harvard's um, Massachusetts General Hospital, one of the three hospitals. And when I started my work in research in the field of parathyroid hormone back in the 1970s, I learned all about John Potts, 
my mentor was, had come from his laboratory. Well, John Potts is the father of parathyroid hormone research. And it was a great honor for me to, to become a co-author on one of John Potts' more than 500 research papers on parathyroid hormone. Anyway, one night, John and I were having dinner in Boston, and I was asking him questions. Well, you know, tell me, how did you get into parathyroid hormone? What happened? And he told me that what happened when he entered into the field of parathyroid hormone research. And he says, he told his mother, he says, Mom, I'm starting to do research on parathyroid hormone. And his mother replied, that's wonderful, Johnny. When will you finish it? <laughs> and John said, Mom, I hope I never finish doing research of parathyroid hormone. Well, the Lord wanted to finish. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So our lives can really be viewed as when Israel built the tabernacle. Big job to build the tabernacle, especially out there in the desert. And they did that under the leadership of Moses. The tabernacle was a, a structure, a very significant structure. It was magnificent. It had elaborate metal objects in it. There were gold and silver, bronze, brass. It was all in this thing. And the tabernacle was magnificent with the fabrics that were in it and the skins. You know, there was the fine twined, I don't know how many threads of Egyptian cotton they had in there. There was yarn that was dyed, some blue yarn, purple yarn, red yarn. There were filaments, strands of gold that were woven into the fabric. There were badger skins, there were ram skins dyed red, there were goat hair. The tabernacle was magnificent with these elements. It was magnificent in its wood, and it was made of this very strong acacia wood. The tabernacle was magnificent in the precious stones that were involved. There was onyx, and I don't even know what some of these things are, like carnelian and chrysolite and beryl and turquoise and lapis and emerald and jacinth, agate, amethyst, topaz and jasper, all these different precious stones. And it was made with skilled artisans. There was the work of the weavers, there was metal casters, there was metal pounders, there was jewel cutters, there were carpenters, there were tailors, there were skin tanners, there were people who dyed skin and fabric, all of those people. And the tabernacle was not just thrown together. It wasn't just, well, uh, here's some gold, come up with the design, do what you would like to build. No, that's not the way it was. You know, it was like, uh, here's some wood carpenter, make something nice. That wasn't it. The tabernacle was not made according to what each individual wanted it to look like. The tabernacle was not made according to the decisions of some committee or voted. Moses had to first find from God how the tabernacle was to be built, what it was to look like. And this is uh, brought out for us in Exodus 25, 8, that says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments thereof, shall you make it. He was shown. And then Exodus 25, 40, look thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in Mount Sinai, Moses, I don't know if he was taking notes or whatever, but he remembered everything. He was shown the tabernacle to the most minute detail of what he had to build. Numbers 8, 4, this work of the candlestick, for example. This work of the candlestick was a beaten gold unto the shaft thereof, unto the flowers thereof, was beaten work, according unto the pattern 
which the Lord had showed Moses, so he made the candlestick. So Moses had to find out from God exactly how to make this tabernacle. And just as Moses had to find out from the Lord what the work had to be to build this tabernacle, we got to find out from the Lord what our life work is to be. And that starts with the question that Paul asked God when Paul first encountered God as Jesus for the first time on the road to Damascus. And it says in Acts 9, 6, he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So in order to find the will of God for our lives, we've got to be like Paul and ask God. And then after Moses found the will of God for the tabernacle, and he saw all the work that had to be done to make the tabernacle, Moses accepted the building of the tabernacle. And even though, I mean, we can all imagine that Moses was wondering how in the world was he gonna make this thing, this magnificent tabernacle in the desert? There's no Home Depots out there. You can't go there and buy all that stuff. And where are you gonna get all the stuff? So how was Moses gonna be enabled with materials and workmen to build this tabernacle? And that's when Moses saw a miracle. Maybe the greatest miracle in the building of the tabernacle was changing the heart of the people. Because God changed the heart of the people. The heart of the people were changed, and they gave. They gave what was needed in Exodus 31.1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, key man in this building of the tabernacle, Bezaleel, which, by the way, Hebrew means in the shadow of. So it's like God was directing him. And I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding, knowledge, all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and brass, cutting of stones, to set them in the carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I have given him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I put wisdom that they make all that I have commanded thee. The tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that's upon it, the furniture of the tabernacle, the table, his furniture, pure candlestick with all his furniture, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all his furniture, the laver, his foot, the cloths of service, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office, and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded him. So just as Moses found out from God what God's will was in the building of his tabernacle, and after Moses accepted it, then God provided all that was needed to build the tabernacle, including the skilled workers, including the materials, which means for us, after we have found out what God's will is for our lives and we accept it, even though we don't know how in the world we're gonna do this, that's when we begin to see the miracles of God providing for our lives. And there was a time when Moses actually, there was the period of building the tabernacle. There was the time period when it went on. It says in Exodus 39, 42, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel made all the work. That's the work that Moses and the children of Israel did. And during this time when the tabernacle was being built, there was no manana spirit about them. There was not, you know, there was not, well, we don't get it done today, we'll get it done tomorrow, no. There was an I must do it spirit of diligence among Moses and the Jewish people. And that's what God wants to see in our lives. This diligence to do the work, this use our lives to do the will of God. 
And finally, there came the day when actually the tabernacle was done. It was to die. It was finished. It was accomplished. And finally, at the end, most of the Jewish people could look back and they could say, I have finished the work. That's Exodus 40, verse 33. He reared up the court, round about the tabernacle, the altar, set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. That's what it says in Exodus 40, verse 33. And just as Moses could look back over his work of building the tabernacle, at the end of our lives, we can look back over our work for God and we want to say, I have finished the work that God gave me to do. So this statement in Exodus 40, verse 33, of Moses finishing the tabernacle is in the last chapter And the book of Exodus opens with the deliverance of Israel from Egypt, and the book of Exodus closes with the construction of the tabernacle. Just as our personal life history books, we have our own personal life history books of Exodus that open with us being in a hopeless bondage to sin and God delivering us from sin. So the closing of our personal life history books of Exodus should close with our tabernacles. Exodus 25, eight, let them make me a tabernacle that I may dwell among them. So God's purpose for making the Lord Jesus our savior from sin is to make the Lord Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us, our togetherness with God. We are together with God in him because he's God. But when we look back over the tabernacle, we can see that God didn't just drop that tabernacle from heaven and say, there you go you know, from sky, they dropped all that manna down, it was done. But the work in building the tabernacle, it was a work given to Moses that he wanted done on earth, just as he gives us a work that he wants done on earth, and he wants us to do it. The building of the tabernacle didn't just happen, it took a lot of sweat, a lot of sacrifice on the part of the people. It was costly, took a lot of hard work to build that tabernacle over a period of time. And that's what's involved in us in doing the will of God in our lives. It takes a lot of sweat, a lot of sacrifice. It's costly. It's hard work over the period of our lifetime so that we can say, we can finish our personal life history book, Exodus, with the words of Exodus 40, verse 33. Moses finished the work, John 17, 4. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. In order for us to be able to say that, I finished the work, we need to find out from God what our life work is. We need to work hard to do God's work. We need to follow God's work. And finally, we need to finish it. We need to find, follow, and finish the work that God has for us. So the Lord Jesus says in verse 23, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel, and like I said, gone over means finished, till the Son of Man be come. So he's saying, you will not have finished your work of reaching, in this case, all the Jewish people until the Lord Jesus returns. So what he's doing here, when he says that, you won't finish, is he's lighting a fire under the disciples. He's removing this spirit of manana is as good as today. He's dispelling from the disciples that, well, what doesn't get done today, I'll get done tomorrow. Don't sweat it, what's your rush? He's dispelling that. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you me. I get the most done when I'm under the gun. I've tried and tried for years to get my messages and lessons done in the first part of the week. I don't know what it, I get this feeling. I got a lot of time. I don't need to get into it so hard right now. And somehow it just gets, every time it gets left to the last minute, it's like, ah, it's a panic. You know, it's the last minute panic. It's the real urgency. And I'm just telling you, I work till midnight on Saturday and I'm up at six in the morning and I stop at nine before I get in the car and come here. I don't know why I do it this, this way. Thank you.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.